there, everyone. I'm Joe, and I just wanted to take a moment and say thank you for listening to our Lincoln eFree podcast. We are grateful for your support to shine the light of Christ in every home and business in the Lincoln Lakes area and beyond. In case you're not aware, we have a YouTube channel, which you can find the link in our bio. We hope you enjoy this week's message and encourages you and helps you to become the light that God designed you to be. With that, let's jump in. You ever lost a kid? Huh? Yeah, yeah, isn't this scary? And, and, and how, about, how about those dreams where you can't find or you can't reach your kid? Oh my goodness. Wake up in a cold sweat. So when we had our first child, Christy, we handed her over to a nursery at a church. When I, when I got a Sunday off, we usually went to at least a couple of different churches just so I could see, experience different churches. But we, uh, we let, left her off at, uh, at the nursery at Bethlehem Baptist Church downtown Minneapolis. We came back after the service to pick up our two-month, three-month-old. I mean, she was young. And uh, we gave her some the card or something, and she went in the back, the nursery attendant, and then she came back out to us, and she said, you know what? Her uncle came and got her. <laughs> huh? That, w- no, that's not possible. Go back in there and find her. And they did. <laughs> they found her. But you have that momentary scare, or or in the in, in in the store, where the kids wander off and they're behind the the racks or something. One of our sons played hide and go seek. Only he was the only one who knew there was a game going on, and he was quiet as a mouse for so long. We were really worried. And he was tucked back behind a wonderful hiding place in, in our closet. And we finally found him after our heart had been racing for too many minutes. If you've had that experience of losing a child, feeling like an irresponsible parent, you know a little bit of what Mary and Joseph experienced one day in Jerusalem. They had gathered the necessary items they needed, which is far less than what we would need for being gone for a week or a couple of weeks. And uh, they got into a caravan of people coming from Nazareth, traveling the 40 or so miles down to Jerusalem because it was Passover. And listen, if you were a a faithful Jew, Passover was one of those three or four times a year. You went to Jerusalem no matter what. And they were there. Took them probably four days to get there. There for a week. Passover wasn't just a day, it was a week. And then they left. Jesus is 12 years old. 
Mary and Joseph had other children. Little ones that they had to watch. Little ones that Jesus often helped watch. He was 12, and he was the most responsible kid ever. I mean, you firstborns tend to be responsible. He made my firstborn look irresponsible. This, this kid was amazing. So they came to trust him. He had friends in the caravan. It was like growing up in Sunburg. We could be gone all day fooling around and around town, up out in the woods and pastures and all over. Mom didn't care. She knew we were okay. Because she also knew that if we got in trouble or we started doing something we shouldn't be doing, she'd get a phone call from one of the other neighbors. Do you know what Donnie's doing? <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Mom always said it was a little bird that told her. Yeah, right. That's why I went shooting birds <laughs> with my little 22 They left. The caravan left. Everybody left except one. They're a day's journey out, 10, 12 miles away. It's evening. Time to touch base with the family, right? One, two, three. Where's Jesus? Oh, their hearts must have stopped. We've been given charge of the Son of God. And we've lost him. Oh, my goodness. They, I don't think it took them a full day to get back to Jerusalem. And they went hunting. And they finally found him. The impression is that they didn't go to the temple first. They probably had some distant relatives or others, that their friends, and they checked and they checked, and finally they found him in the temple. And there's a number of men sitting around talking about theology, and Jesus is interacting with them. And boy, were Joseph and Mary upset with Jesus. You ever been upset with Jesus? Yeah, they were upset. And this 12-year-old boy put mom and dad in place. Three observations of the text. The story is found in Luke chapter 2. But first, yeah, we've already read the scripture, haven't we, with the kids? But the story is in Luke chapter 2. Three observations to think about. Because at the end of the day, Jesus in so many words told them, 
I'm not the one that's lost. You are. That's a lot of moxie for a 12-year-old kid. Jesus knew his place, and he knew that he was not lost. Every one of us, in coming to faith in Christ, comes to a realization one day that we're lost. And then the beautiful realization that Jesus, God, was looking for me. And it's not so much that I found him, but he found us. So the observation first I am oftentimes lost in my schedules. Joseph and Mary had their schedules. This was an annual, yearly event. They would go to Jerusalem every year at Passover. It was customary. And... Jesus went with them. He went with them as a young baby. He went with them as a a toddler. He went with them, I was going to say, through his terrible twos, but did Jesus have terrible twos? I suspect maybe he did. You can be terrible without being sinful, right? All right, think about it. Anyway... It was his custom. For the past 11 years, he'd done the same thing at this point. I mean, it's like going to so grandma and grandpa's for, for uh, Christmas. Every year we do it. And by this time, Jesus is wondering if they don't go, something's wrong. Every year. It was his custom, too. It was part of his schedule. Until it wasn't. He went with them. Mary and Joseph left, and he decided to stay. A 12-year-old kid deciding, I'm going to stay. Surely he knew the family was going. His schedule was suddenly different from mom and dad's. Remember when... One of your kids kind of set you back that you expected a certain thing with their schedule and that they would plan on this and they didn't? It's like, wait a a minute. We always do this. Jesus will do the same thing to your schedule. I don't know about you. I've always been a scheduled person. I usually, um, see, I'm not a detailed person. And I would get into trouble oftentimes because it makes schedules, but then I'd forget about an appointment or forget, you know. And so um, 
I would come in the office in Lakeville and the admin would come with an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper, this is what you're doing today. <laughs> Stick to it. <laughs> um, I had my schedules. And I would plan this in and plan this in and plan this in. And I didn't like it. I, I did it. I'm a pastor. I, I get it. But I didn't like it when people messed with my schedule. And somebody has an emergency. Whoa, what am I going to do? Um, it happens. It happens to you. Sometimes it's God. And I find myself still getting upset until I, something, someone sets me back and realizes, okay, <laughs> plans changed, schedule changed. Think of a time when God messed with your schedule. Threw you a curveball. That's why Jesus prayed, not my will, but yours be done. So, so I, I learned that whenever I have this schedule, I try, to, I try to conscientiously put it before the Lord and say, Lord, this, this is my plan, but I know you're going to have at it whether I want, to, want you to or not. <laughs> help, me, help me be obedient and help me to respond well. And it makes a big, a big difference. My schedules, your schedules. You know what? Oftentimes, most often, my plans and his plans are in sync, just like Joseph and Mary's were in sync with Jesus most of the time. And I do believe that God leads us as we sit down to plan a schedule. I don't know about you, but I often find myself, Lord, this is, this is your day. I'm your servant. You show me what's most important today. And at this point in time, I would see that these five things are the things I need to have on my schedule today. And if I don't hear anything back... I move ahead. And then halfway through the day, he slams me <laughs> with a curveball. Oh, is this, is, is this what you really want? I, I thought you wanted... Oh, I've learned you've got to stay flexible with God. You've got to stay flexible. Because sometimes I get lost in my schedule. Don't be insistent on finishing your schedule. Some of us get really obsessive about that. And let it go. So, first observation, I sometimes get lost in my schedule. Second observation, related, I sometimes get lost in my assumptions. Joseph and Mary... When it was time to leave, we read in the text, Luke 2, that they supposed 
they assumed Jesus, their son, was with the party. The caravan that was now returning to Nazareth, where they'd come from. Some family, they supposed. You ever suppose God was in one place and he turned out not to be and showed up somewhere else? I, I know God is everywhere present, so. But doesn't it feel like that sometimes? In, in Old Testament times, the God's of the nations were geographically challenged. In other words, they were gods of certain geographical areas. If they got out of that area, they were in another god's area. Okay? Which is why when you traveled, you would stop at certain border points, not for a not for a border check as much as for a border offering. You would offer a sacrifice to the God of this area. Sometimes in the Old Testament, for instance, Baal of Peor. Peor, not Peoria, but Peor was a location. And this was the Baal, a generic word for Lord, of this area. So you would stop at that border, make a sacrifice to the Lord of that area, and then you would assume you could have safe travel. So, so Jacob is out away from home. They're still learning that this God of Abraham actually is mobile. He doesn't stay in one place. He moves. Jacob is still learning that. And it says in Exodus, is it 28, that uh, Jacob awoke at night. He had that dream at night of, of the ladder extending to heaven, Bethel, El, God, Beth, home, the home, the house of God had that amazing dream, and it woke up, and you know what it says? It says, Jacob awoke, and he said, Oh, God is in this place, and I didn't know it. When it, when it cut across the grain, that this God moves, and eventually understanding this God is everywhere. Sometimes we forget that. You could go into a really seedy joint. Oh, I've taken my wife and kids into a casino just for them to experience. Pam doesn't like it. You can imagine that. Oh, the kids don't need to experience. I just want to just walk through here and... And see some of these guys and zoned out in front of the machines and whatnot. Um, but it can feel really dark. Hmm? Remember walking through a temple in Thailand. They call them Wats, W-A-T. 
And I didn't have such a, such a feeling, I guess, of ungodliness as much as just, well, it was ungodly in that it just seemed vacant of any godliness. Like God wasn't there. But guess what? God was there because I walked through it with my shoes off like everyone else. That was light in a dark place. Now, I'm not advocating hitting the casino every weekend or going to the bar just because it's not a sin to walk into a bar, okay? I trust that you have more sense than that. But everywhere you go, God is. But there's one place where God isn't. And we can get lost there in sin. Sin separates us from God. So even as a carnal Christian, you can get lost by stepping into sin. And many of you know, all of you know, a little how that feels until you come back out. We can get lost in our assumptions about God. Here's another big assumption that uh, I get lost in. I can become incredibly convinced that God is interested in precisely what I'm interested in. I can get so convinced of that that I, I, can, I, I can be downright spiritual about it. And then a wake-up call that we all experience with God when we realize one day He's got different priorities than I do. His priority is not to keep me as happy and satisfied as possible. I mean, we, what are we thinking? We, we would think that a bad parent. A bad parent who's always trying to keep the child happy, always trying to keep the child satisfied, always just a doting helicopter parent. Any guys like me that whenever you were watching the kids, they seemed to get hurt? If, if our kids were going to get hurt, it tended to be when dad was watching them. Because I, yeah, I probably gave him too much rope. <laughs> but you know what? Um, kids need to be toughened up, and we need to be toughened up. Life's not like that. Get used to it. Um, you can handle this. God is not here just to make your life easier. Saw a book once, How God made, Helped Me Make My First Million. Really? 
Is that why he's around? No. He's got other plans. And that moves me to the third observation. First, God, that I can be lost in my schedules. I can be lost in my assumptions about God. We all go through times of being disappointed with God and what he allows and does. And I can also then be related, lost in my own business. Mind your own business. We're all supposed to do that, right? Jesus said, didn't you know? I mean, can you hear Mary? Son, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been worried about you. Why have you done... Doesn't every parent wonder that from time to time? Why did you do this to us? Oh, no, it's not all about me. (laughs) Oh, yeah? Didn't you know? I mean, here's a 12-year-old kid saying to his parents, didn't you know? I had to be about my father's business. You think that hit Joseph, maybe Mary too, a little bit? A little wake-up call, a little reminder. Yes, he's our legal son, but I'm not really his father. Now, Jesus went back to Nazareth with them, and it says he returned with them and was submissive to them. Didn't need to be, but he was. Being submissive to them meant that he began, if he hadn't already, he began to work with Joseph in the carpentry business. And yes, the word tech can mean masonry as well, but most historians would would side with the idea he was working with wood, not stone. Whatever it was, Joseph was teaching him. Imagine teaching Jesus how to do this well. Did he have to correct Jesus from time to time? Oh, I think so. It's not a sin to bend a nail, right? He needs to learn. And for at least 17 years, Jesus was a carpenter. 17 years. That's almost a 20-year career. Putzing away in Nazareth, in the shop, making stools, forming crosses from time to time. Carpenters back then had big, heavy shoulders like Chad. They were big, strong, big biceps. They were always working. This was not somebody you teased. 
although I suspect he never beat up on anyone. <laughs> but he could defend himself. He was doing his legal father's business for nearly 20 years. And then he stopped. Tradition suggests that a number of those years, Joseph had passed. And Jesus was doing it himself. And you know what else he was doing? He was mentoring and teaching and apprenticing his younger brothers. Because he knew he wasn't going to be around forever. He was doing for James and Jacob and some of the other brothers what Joseph had done for him. He wasn't, this wasn't classroom learning. <laughs> this was on-the-job teaching. Can you, can you see Jesus correcting them? Telling them how to do this. Nobody's going to buy that. For nearly 20 years. And then he, he left. Then he, but you know what? You could say this, this was his earthly father's business, and then he went on to do his heavenly father's business. But that would be wrong. Because for nearly 20 years, he was doing not only his earthly father's business, but this was the business God had him doing. He was doing his father's business before he got baptized. And started his own ministry. Colossians 1.17 and then again in 23. Whatever you do, do it with all your heart as serving the Lord. Some of you say, oh, you know, Pastor Don or Glenn and Amy in the Sunday school class are, are doing the Lord's business. I'm doing this and... I can try to volunteer when I can for the Lord's business. Give some financial help for the Lord's business. No, 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 no. When Gary was an auditor, he's doing the Lord's business. When Glenn was running a nursing home, he's doing the Lord's business. When Brian's coaching... Or Heather's coaching the speech team. This is the Lord's business. And we just all need to be sensitive to, to when the Lord may move us to do something a little differently. But still his business. And careful not to get lost in our business. And we get lost when we think it's just our business. We're found when we realize that oh, this is God's business too. Because I can be a witness through this business. It's not just an occupation, something that occupies it. It's a vocation, a calling. 
every one of us. The occupation that you have, even if you're retired, you get things that occupy you. Are you, are you any, doing any less God's business when you're retired? Absolutely not. We're always to be about our Father's business. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you're interested in learning more about Lincoln E Free Church here in the Lincoln Lakes area, you can go check out our website, lincolnefree.org, and you can give us a follow on Facebook. Have a great week.